0: Church, it's a privilege once again to to bring you the Word of God again this morning. And as many of you are aware, today is, is Pentecost Sunday. We will be taking a break from our series, Preaching the Kingdom, as we talk today about walking in the power of the Spirit. That's the title of today's message, Walking in the Power of the Spirit. Now... As we know, Pentecost is very significant in that it represents for Christians the outpouring of the Holy Spirit when the disciples were waiting in the upper room just as Jesus had instructed them. And it was from that outpouring, it was from that point onwards, that the church we are now a part of was born. Pentecost is the Greek word pentecoste, which very simply means fifty or 50th, because as per Jewish custom, they were to count 50 days from the Feast of Passover to keep the next Feast of Pentecost. And of course, when you understand, church, that when Jesus died upon the cross, He died upon the cross right in the middle when the Jews were keeping the Feast of Passover. And it was no coincidence. Right on the Passover, when they were offering a lamb in their houses according to the law in the book of Exodus, the lamb of God was being offered upon the cross. The Bible tells us that he died for the sins of the world, but he rose again. And it says, for 40 days he appeared to his disciples. And in those 40 days, Jesus taught them, he ate with them, He spent time with them and he provided them and all future believers with many infallible proofs. And he prepared them for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then after those 40 days, when he was with them on the Mount of Olives, he told them that he is going to ascend into heaven. But he said, now go and wait until you are clothed with power from on high. He said to them, go and wait In the city of Jerusalem, until you are clothed with power from on high. And so they had to wait another 10 days because that would make up the 50 days to get to Pentecost. And look, church, the the number of days is, is not really that important. What is important and what is significant about Pentecost is that it represented the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the empowering of the church. And from that point onwards, every believer who sincerely received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior receives, is given the free gift of salvation, which in, uh, accompanies the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the new birth takes place where the Holy Spirit establishes Himself in us, taking residence in us and being that living, governing principle of life in order for a believer. That's you and me to walk in the power of the Spirit and walk with kingdom authority. And that's really what I want to focus on as we celebrate and and recognize the significant moment in the history of our church. Walking in the power of the Spirit. And the portion of Scripture that we're going to be focusing on today is in Galatians chapter 5. But just to set the foundation for this message, I want to briefly just touch on what is called the new birth. I'm not going to read the scriptures, but in John chapter 3, as you read through verses 5 to 8, it is clear that the human nature with which all of us are born into will not enter into the kingdom of God unless there is a change. And that change in John chapter 3 is referred to as. As the new birth. And, church, in layman's terms, what that means is that the Spirit of God creates something new in us. It's supernatural. According to the prophet Ezekiel, God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and you will do them. And what this tells us, church, is that the change that we call the new birth with the new heart that desires to walk with God and, and keep his statutes is entirely because of the supernatural work of the Spirit of God. In other words, church, you don't come to saving faith in Jesus unless it is enabled by this recreative, powerful act of the new birth within us. No man comes to the Son unless it is given to him by the Father. So, if that is the case, right, if we have received this miraculous work of the new birth within us, you could ask the question, well, what next? If this miraculous thing has taken place in my life, what does that mean for the, for the rest of my life? Paul answers that question for us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. And he says, if we live in the Spirit, if we have received this new life in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And what Paul is saying here, church, is if we have begun this new life by the Spirit, then the ongoing life that we live must also be by the Spirit. It must be done in the power of the Spirit. And you could say it like this If it is by the free and sovereign work of the Spirit that we are now, that our new spiritual life comes into being, Then it is by the free and sovereign power work of the Spirit that we go on walking with God. So walking in the power of the Spirit means that what you do every day, from the time that you wake up in the morning till the time that you go to bed at night, you do by the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. And you may be sitting there thinking, okay, Pastor, that sounds wonderful, that sounds supernatural, but, but how do I actually work that out in, in my life? Well, church, that's what I'm going to attempt to do this morning. I'm going to, in my best human ability, make it as plain as I can, and we'll trust the Holy Spirit to do the work that only He can do. Is that okay? Amen. So let's start looking from verse 16 and see what the Apostle Paul says. He says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, church, Paul did not have in mind that actually when you go home, this afternoon, that you should walk around the block a couple of times where you live and when you walk around the block you walk in the Spirit. Look, there's nothing wrong with taking a walk at least you'll get some exercise but when Paul uses this phrase walk in the Spirit he is speaking metaphorically. He is speaking with this metaphor that our life is like a walk that we have and the way that we walk says a lot about us. And one of the ways that we're supposed to walk is we are supposed to walk in the Spirit. Sometimes the Apostle Paul describes it as a race that we should run, and here he talks about it being a walk. But the whole idea, church, is that we have a direction that we are going in, and we are making progress. That's that's the idea. And let me ask you this question. If I were to ask you, if you would desire to walk in the Spirit, would you say yes? Would you raise your hand if if that was you? I know that's a bit of an awkward question to ask in church, you know, because you don't know if you should or if you, you shouldn't raise your hand. But church, I think for most of us, if not all of us, right, we would recognize that as a good thing to have an interest in and pursue what Paul is saying here. So let's get into the detail to find out what it really means for our, our Christian lives. And church, there are three things that I want to show you this morning in the scripture. And the first one is found in, in verse 16. Paul says very simply, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So number one, walking in the power of the Spirit means a life of purity. Now I know it gets kind of quiet in the room when I mention that kind of thing, right? Because purity in life, when it comes to your body, or your mind, or your heart, these are difficult things to to deal with, right? And yes, nobody is perfect and, perfect, and nobody does things perfectly all the time. But church, let me tell you something. It is true of myself, and it is true of you, that any time that we fall short. Of God's standard of purity, we can never say that the Holy Spirit led me to do that. It's not even conceivable that the Holy Spirit would lead me into anything impure. If I could consistently, repeatedly walk in the Spirit, I'll walk in purity. And when I drift off into impurity in whatever way, at that moment, I am not walking in the Spirit because the Holy Spirit will lead us into paths. Of purity. Now, I'm not saying that we are a church that feels this way or behaves this way, but there are some churches and believers that will say, "Is that all the Holy Spirit is going to lead us into? Is He just going to lead me into to holiness and to, to purity and, and the fruits of the Spirit? Because you know what? If if that's it, it's that, if that's all, that's that's just boring." I mean, isn't the Holy Spirit going to do something more spectacular among us? Isn't the Holy Spirit going to do something like really thrilling and grabbing and, and make me go, wow? Church, you can, and maybe you will. But maybe, just maybe, this is the type of thing that, that God that makes God go, wow. And I don't mean to say that in any irreverent way, but maybe this is the kind of spectacular living that God is impressed by. And He would look down on you and I as a believer if we are walking in the Spirit and say that's better than some kind of miracle that others are looking for. Why do I say that? Because church, when God is working in a heart that is normally given over to impurity and a lack of self-control, church, that is a miracle. That is a miracle. That's what it means to walk in the power of the Spirit. Now when Paul leads us to purity in verses 16 to 18, in verse 19 he describes what impurity is like. And this is what he says. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. And the like, which means there's more on that list. And church, do you see what he's talking about here? Do you see what he's doing? He's drawing such a a, a stark contrast between walking in the Spirit and then walking in the flesh. And you see, nobody can say the Holy Spirit led me into adultery. Nobody can say that the Holy Spirit led me into fornication. And you could go down that list and use the same phrase over everything on that list. Right, The Holy Spirit leads us into purity, which is a miraculous work by itself. And church, here's what I want to emphasize as we conclude this first point. Sometimes we long for a great work of the Holy Spirit, but we long for it with impure motives. We long for it because we want a thrill. We want the Lord to thrill us. Lord, Lord wow me. And let me tell you, church, we have seen God do thrilling things in our lives, right? If you look back at the history of our church, we have seen God do amazing things, and we praise the Lord for it. And personally, you know, I would love to see God doing more thrilling things and spectacular things in our midst rather than less. But you see, church, there's something misguided in the heart that just kind of says, thrill me, Lord. Wow me. I want to see you move. It's probably the same kind of heart that has the the same perspective that Jesus spoke about when he said, it's an evil and adulterous generation that seeks after a son. Now again, church, that's not for a moment to try and remove the supernatural from the Christian life. Not in the least. But I think it's very, very telling that when the Apostle Paul begins his... Description of what the spirit in uh, a walk in the spirit is like, he begins by talking about a sense of purity in our life. Here's number two. Verse 17 says, "For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish." And here's the point that I want to draw from this. Walking in the power of the Spirit means at least a measure of struggle or conflict in your life. Unfortunately, some people have the idea that the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives is to turn them into some kind of spiritual superman or or superwoman. Some super, you know, superhuman that is invulnerable to the things of life. They think for some reason, if I'm really living in the Spirit, I won't have struggles anymore. You know, if I'm really living in the Spirit and walking in the power of the Spirit, I will just rise above it all. I'll never have to struggle with real discouragement or depression in my life. If I'm really walking in the Spirit, I have to, you know what, I will rise above it all and I won't have to deal with with stress or with loss. I'll just manage it. Lord, that'll be wonderful. I will put up my hand, if that's what it means, to to walk in the Spirit. But can I tell you what the Word of God says, church? He says, when you're walking in the Spirit, you are still going to have a battle. The flesh is going to war against the Spirit, and the Spirit is going to war against the flesh. And you see, it's not like the Holy Spirit says, I come to take all the battles away from you, but I do come to give you victory in the midst of the battle. And the idea here, church, is that when we walk in the Spirit, the Spirit has the upper hand over the flesh. This is one of the reasons why God can use fasting and and other forms of self-denial to such powerful purpose in our lives. Because in, in some ways, when it is properly done, fasting is a way that I tell my flesh who's in charge. Flesh, you are not going to run my life. I'm going to walk in the power of the Spirit, and I'm going to live a life that is above the base needs of my flesh. But church, until God exchanges these bodies whether they're healthy or whether they're not, until He exchanges these bodies for our heavenly bodies, there's going to be a battle between the flesh and spirit. There's going to be a battle between not only our bodily desires that we have, but also the things of our mind and our will and our emotions. And I say that because when the Bible refers to the flesh, it doesn't just mean the meat on our bones, right? It also means these things that, that are just given to us in our human nature. Like the things that we have to deal with in our, our mind and our will and our emotions. And this is important to note, church, because all, these are all aspects that the, of the flesh that the Holy Spirit wants to rule over. That's important for us to understand. Because when a person is ruled by their bodily appetites, it's a sad kind of life to live, isn't it? In fact, there's not much life there at all. But when a person under the leading of the Holy Spirit says, I'm in the midst of the battle and God is helping me, the Holy Spirit is empowering me, there is going to be victory in this conflict between the flesh and the Spirit. That's what it means to walk in the power of the Spirit. Number three. Verse 18 says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So firstly, walking in the power of the Spirit means a life of purity. Secondly, it means a life of some spiritual conflict, but finding victory in the midst of it. And thirdly, walking in the power of the Spirit means a life of liberty and freedom. We have freedom in Jesus Christ, amen? You know, church, when you see believers who are bound by legalism, when they are bound by this idea that they, if they take one step out of line, God is ready to crush them, when they live with this idea that God is against them, listen, church, the Holy Spirit is not leading them there. Because God wants you and I to live in what Paul called in Romans 8, the glorious freedom of the children of God. And the glorious freedom of the children of God is based on this. I am made in right relationship with God, not because I'm so wonderful, but because a wonderful Savior paid the price for me, and I love Him, and I trust Him. And this liberty that Paul talks to here and refers to is really based more on the idea of of relationship, right? We all know that Christianity is a religion. We know that. But we also know what it means to be religious. Where the truth of God turns into self-righteousness, it turns into rituals and where there's no joy and there's no peace at all. It's all about performance more than it is about the heart condition, right? Or the heart for relationship. And we've been talking a lot about the heart in our series, Preaching the Kingdom. But church, let me tell you something. Legalism will never lead to relationship. It will only lead you to more bondage and further away from this glorious freedom of the children of God. Because this glorious liberty that we have as the children of God flows from relationship with Jesus. And relationship with Jesus is what the Holy Spirit leads us into. Right? As we walk in the Spirit, we are walking closer and closer in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when a person has a lack of freedom in their Christian life, they are not walking in step with the Spirit As they should. At church, this walk in the Spirit can play itself out in many different ways in our lives. Because, you know, as humans, we can fill our lives with so many different things and so many distractions. You know, we can veer off course at times, right? So if you have to ask the question, how do I know if I'm walking in the Spirit? Church, when I'm walking in the Spirit, there's a level of purity in my life. There's a level of spiritual conflict that I'm experiencing, but victory in the midst of it. And there's a sense of liberty and freedom in a true relationship with Jesus Christ, right apart from the bondage of religion. So Paul has taken us through these, these steps. He's taken us through the so... So incredibly, he's shown us what how we should walk in the spirit by leading us through verses sixteen to eighteen. He's also shown us what a walk in the flesh is like from verses nineteen to twenty-one. But for the sake of completeness, let me show you what he describes a walk in uh, in the spirit looks like from verse twenty-two. He says, "But the fruit of the spirit is love." Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. Against such there is no law. Church, this is walking in the power of the Spirit. Right? That's walking out your life in the Spirit. Because a life walking in the power of the Spirit is a life marked by the fruit of the Spirit. Does that make sense? And you know, church, there may be some of you listening here this morning and thinking, is that it? I thought Pentecost and, and walking in the power of the Spirit was more about the miracles and about the encounters. And look, don't get me wrong, as Christians, that's not really an, that's, not, that's a legitimate question, really. Because, you know, of the things that we read in the Bible and things that you may have experienced in your life. And I believe that God will give us those experiences. I really believe He will. But I think He has a greater purpose in all of this. You know, church, many, many people in the Bible experienced the miraculous, but saw none of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their lives. I know this is an Old Testament example, but in principle, it really supports what I'm saying. The example of the the children of of Israel wandering in the wilderness. And when they came to Mount Sinai, they experienced what none of us have ever experienced. They saw the thunder. They saw the lightning in, in a massive type of manifestation. The book of Exodus even tells us that they heard a Trumpet blast from heaven announcing that God's presence was was upon the mountain. I mean, doesn't that just give you chills up your back when you think about that? Right? And if that was not enough, church, they heard the audible voice of God speaking from heaven. They experienced all of that, and yet 40 days later, they were dancing around the golden calf, saying, This is the God that led us out of Egypt. It wasn't much different in the New Testament because no matter how many miracles Jesus performed, no matter how many people He raised from the dead, including Himself, there were still many of those that witnessed what He did but never experienced the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. And church, let me say this in in conclusion this morning. God is a compassionate God, right? God is is a powerful God, right? God is the one and only true God, right? God is a supernatural God. But His greatest interest, church, is not in wowing us with the supernatural, but rather carrying on that miraculous work of transformation where the fruit of the Spirit is produced in our life. God is not looking from heaven and saying, have you had enough experiences in your life? He's looking from heaven and saying, is the fruit of the Spirit being developed in your life? Is the fruit of the Spirit being developed in your life? And church, I believe, I want you to know that I believe we we serve the same God that did miracles in the Old Testament. In the New Testament and, and throughout the ages. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe He will show Himself again in ways that will amaze us and cause revival. The Bible tells us this is going to happen. But I want you to know as you go through your Christian journey, I don't want you to miss the miraculous work that God has begun in you and continues to do. Because you know what, if you don't see yourself as, as a walking miracle because of the new birth that has been given to you by the Holy Spirit, what good will it be to see the miraculous in other ways? You know what, you may look at the, at the fruits of the Spirit and say, you know what, that's, that's pretty normal. God, I would prefer to have this, this lightning bolt of electricity go through my body. Just like I read somebody else's experience, right? Maybe not to that extreme, but you know what I'm saying. Right? I would, I would prefer to experience that. And yet, and yet, Lord, you fill me with the Holy Spirit so that I can sacrificially serve others in a more glorious way. Church, do you see that there's something a little twisted in me that's disappointed with that if I think like that? And I believe God is smiling when a person is filled with the Spirit and walking in the the power of the Spirit and sacrificially serves their family and other people in this world. That may seem insignificant to us, but church, it is supernatural to God. It is supernatural to God. And you know, church, my, my last, my closing words this morning. You know, there's, you'll have uh, people that will have debates about doctrine. You see it all over the internet these days. I think there's more pastors talking about other pastors than they're talking about the Word of God these days. But, you know, there'll be these, these debates about doctrine. And people will say, listen, you can't limit the Holy Spirit. You know what? You can't limit the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't limit the, ho- the work of the Holy Spirit. I want to say to you this morning, don't limit the work of the Holy Spirit that is done in you and continues to do in you. You are a walking miracle. You are a walking miracle. So on this, this Pentecost Sunday, I want this just to be a word of confirmation to you and I of what God has done in our lives. I want you to understand what a miraculous work That God has done in us and continues to do. And church, you know that miraculous, you know what that miraculous work does? We start to affect people in our lives in a way. Why? That draws us back to Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Everything, He wants everything to draw back to the Savior of this world. And as we allow him to continue to do that work in and through our lives, other lives are going to be changed in this world. Amen.